Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to the Roto-World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short and I'm joined here by Drew Silva. Drew, busy show here today with the trade deadline getting ever closer. Yeah, tons of trades have happened over the last week. Uh, We recorded a day early last Wednesday, so the Manny Machado trade wasn't official yet. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, there's been, what, almost 10 trades that have happened since then, some of them pretty significant. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so we'll, we'll get into a lot of those on today's show, and then there's some big injuries to talk about and some other topics to talk about so let's let's just let's just do it yeah i mean the biggest we've probably already seen the biggest name uh get traded barring you know bryce harper or something like that if the nationals decide to sell which i mean wouldn't be impossible at this rate which is crazy to even think about but uh the biggest trade so far manny machado to the dodgers um this trade wasn't final when we did our show last week but we basically had the deal down touched on it a little bit um, so it's been a few days. I, ultimately, I don't think there's a lot of fantasy fallout here other than Machado's been playing some third base with uh, Justin Turner back on the DL. So that's an interesting wrinkle, at least. Yep. So should have uh, third base and shortstop eligibility next year, or almost certainly will. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it might not have happened if, if Turner hadn't gotten hurt because he had only been playing shortstop in Baltimore. So mm-hmm. a little interesting fantasy wrinkle. Um yeah, there's just not much to talk about there that people don't already know. Um, so I'll get us to the next trade that happened. Uh, I think it was a day later. Yeah, so this was on Thursday afternoon. The Indians acquired relievers Brad Hand and Adam Simber from the Padres for top prospect Francisco Mejia. Hand had been serving as the closer this season in San Diego, now moves into a setup role in Cleveland with Cody Allen. You know, continue to get the majority of save opportunities. Um, obviously, does severe damage to Hand's fantasy value. But if you drafted him this spring, you knew this was probably coming at some point. Um, Kirby Yates has taken over the ninth inning role now for the Padres, but it sounds like he could also be moved before the July 31st trade deadline, which is next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So not a lot of time. I'd say Craig Stammen would be next up at that point for saves in San Diego, but there are trade rumors swirling around him too. So who knows? Uh, probably leaves Phil Maton as the closer in San Diego to finish out the season, assuming Yates and Stammen both get dealt. Uh, Maton might be worth a stash right now in, in some deeper leagues, given that we're just, you know, 
four days away from from the trade deadline. And the thing about Hand, uh, this trade is for this season, but also future seasons. And especially with Allen and Andrew Miller due to become free agents, Hand could, you know, most likely will take over the closer role for the Indians next season. So they're looking toward the future with that deal. Uh, Another deal involving a closer, the Mets dealt Jerry's Familia to the Athletics for a couple of prospects and some international bonus money. Uh, Neither of the prospects the Mets got back are considered top-tier prospects. Um, but Bobby Wall is someone worth watching, uh, could help out in the Mets bullpen soon, big time velocity and strikeout numbers in the minors. So, uh, keep an eye out for him. Third baseman, William Toffee was the other player involved coming back to New York. He was a fourth round pick from last year. Uh, good on base skills, but not a lot of pop there. So I think one of the main draws for the Mets was that the A's picked up Familia's remaining salary. So, so there's that. Um, as for the closer job at the Mets, it's, it's wide open, uh, Robert Gesellman was considered the favorite initially, but he pitched in, he pitched in a high leverage spot in the seventh inning on Wednesday against the Padres, and that left Anthony Swarzak to pitch the final two innings to get the save. It looks like Mickey Callaway is going to keep an open mind about leverage and matchups and things like that, but perhaps Swarzak could be a candidate for a waiver deal in August if he puts together you know a good string of appearances here. He's had a pretty awful year until now, so. Maybe there's some incentive for the Mets to give him more save chances. Um, I don't love Swarzak, but he's out there in more than 90% of Yahoo League, so he's worth a pickup. And with the A's, Familia will set up in front of Blake Trinan. Uh, Trinan's been fantastic this year. Lou Trevino has also had a really good year out of the A's bullpen, so that's a pretty dominant late-inning trio, and the A's are a really fun team right now, so uh, it's cool to see them adding before the deadline. Yeah, it's one thing I should have mentioned about Brad Hand and that trade is that Francisco Mejia doesn't really fit the Padres' plans. You know, they have Austin Hedges at catcher, and then Mejia have been playing some outfield, and they have a ton of outfielders. So I think they'll probably flip Mejia for someone else. I don't know if it would be an in-season thing or something that happens this off-season. Yeah, there but... was some chatter this week about the Padres sniffing around on pitching. Uh, yeah. the, the Mets were mentioned, Syndergaard. Uh, something like that. So I think the Padres are just trying to stockpile prospects, and it wouldn't be surprising if they ended up trading, uh, you know, some pretty good ones to get get a starting pitcher. You know, probably more likely this off season, but uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. And then uh, probably the second biggest trade of the last week after Machado was the Yankees acquiring reliever Zach Britton from the Orioles on Tuesday night in exchange for pitching prospects Dylan Tate, Josh Rogers, and Cody Carroll. It's a pretty nice haul for the O's. Uh, certainly fits their desire to load up on young, controllable pitching. Tate was the number four overall pick in the 2015 draft. Has posted good ERAs at every level of the minor leagues. The strikeout rates have been kind of underwhelming, but he, he projects as a useful back-end starter at the major league level. Josh Rogers also projects as like a number four or number five, but a pretty good number four or number five. Has a promising sinking fastball, good changeup from the left side. Cody Carroll is one of the more MLB-ready relief prospects in the minors. I think we could see him up at some point in August. Uh, Big-time fastball. Um, might be a future closer. As for the Yankees side of things, you know they add Britain to a bullpen that already ranks number one among all major league teams in ERA and strikeouts. He'll work in a setup role with Aroldis Chapman obviously remaining the closer in New York. 
there's so many good late inning arms in that bullpen that it's hard to imagine Britain earning another save really the rest of the way, unless it just comes by random chance. Yeah. You know, Chat Chapman, David Robertson, Dylan Batantis, Chad Green, Jonathan Holder has been amazing this year too. A guy that doesn't get a lot of chatter. Built for um, the postseason, basically. Oh yeah. Big time. And yeah, I mean, if they can't get a frontline starter because there really isn't one available at this trade deadline, you know, you might as well just get really good relievers. Uh, mm-hmm. It's worked in the past, uh, in, in the postseason, in the recent past. And then, um, you know, looking at the Orioles' bullpen, I guess Brad Brock will take back over the ninth inning role, but the Orioles are trying hard to move him too. Um, and I think they should find a taker, even though his numbers aren't haven't been very good on the whole this year. So that probably leaves Michael Givens uh, as the Orioles' closer, but he's apparently being shopped too. So, again, who knows with these rebuilding teams. Uh, the Orioles aren't going to carry many leads into the ninth inning down the stretch anyway. True. So Especially minus you know, Machado and, yeah. Who, who knows? Yeah. Maybe Adam Jones? Like, yeah. Yeah, Adam Jones drawing interest from the Phillies and Indians. Uh, I, he, I could very well see him being traded over, over the next four days too. Mm-hmm. Uh, more closer stuff just hours before we recorded here. The White Sox traded uh, Joaquin Soria to the Brewers for uh, left-hander Cody Medeiros and right-hander Wilbur Perez Medeiros, a former 2014 first-round draft pick. Um, with Soria, he's been awesome this year. 2.56 ERA with 49 strikeouts and just 10 walks in uh, just under 39 innings, most of those as the White Sox closer. He's allowed just two earned runs in his last 25 appearances. Uh, but with the move to Milwaukee, you can expect Soria to step into a setup role in front of Corey Knable. So that obviously takes away most of his fantasy appeal. Uh, as for the White Sox, they have some options. Nate Jones probably won't be one of them, at least for a little while. He recently had a setback uh, with a pronator muscle strain in his throwing arm. So, you know, we're looking at names like Jace Fry, Juan Manaya, Jenmar Gomez, guys like that. Uh, Fry might be the most exciting option fantasy-wise. He holds a 3.86 ERA with 38 strikeouts and 12 walks in 30 and a third innings this year. Tons of swings and misses on the slider. Uh, ridiculous number of swings and misses. Uh, so maybe Rick Renteria will go in a different direction depending on matchups. Maybe a bunch of right-handed hitters. Uh, we won't see uh, Fry in that role, but he looks like he could be the guy here uh, and could be a useful pickup. He's out there in a ton of leagues as well. Yeah, and I think the White Sox could actually win some games down the stretch. You know, if they bring up Michael Kopech and uh, Eloy Jimenez, they have yes. they have some other pieces too. And it sounds like they're going to hold on to Jose Abreu because hmm. um, he's having kind of a down year. And yeah. I think they they could do better for him in the off season if he finishes strong. Yep, all star uh, Jose Abreu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All star started at first base. Yep. Um, that was weird. Um, so. And then a trade that happened, I guess it was this morning or, or late morning or early afternoon, was the Rockies acquiring reliever Sung Wan Oh from the Blue Jays um, for first base prospect Chad Spanberger, outfield prospect Forrest Wall, and a player to be named later. Uh, I really like this package for Toronto. I'm, you know, I'm not a prospect buff, but you just look at the numbers and you look at the fact that that O was signed for just two million dollars this winter. Spanberger was a sixth-round pick in 2017, has 41 home runs and 126 RBIs in 152 professional games, you know, all below high A ball, but a 959 OPS. Clearly a, a good hitter, could be a future DH or maybe first baseman. Um, Wall was the 35th overall pick in 2014. 
not quite the prospect he once was, but he can play center field, has good speed, 28 stolen bases in 93 games this season in the minors. So um, for basically a rental reliever, I think the Jays did pretty well here. It's why every team that's out of it should just unload their bullpen. For um, sure. uh, o had a 2.68 ERA and 55 strikeouts in 47 innings this year with Toronto. Nice bounce back from his poor final year with the Cardinals. Had earned one save with Roberto Azuna serving out that 75-game domestic violence suspension. Azuna's eligible to return on August 5th, uh, by the way, and is expected to immediately jump back into the closer role in Toronto. He's already begun a minor league rehab assignment, just shifted that to AAA Buffalo, so should be right, ready right on August 5th. And moving over to the starting pitcher side, the Red Sox have acquired Nathan Avaldi from the Rays uh, for left-hander Jalen Beeks. Uh, Valdi's pitched pretty well in his return from Tommy John surgery. He has a 4-2-6 ERA over 10 starts, which looks mediocre on the surface, but he also has 50, 53 strikeouts and just 8 walks in 57 innings. Uh, the home run ball has been the big issue, though. He's given up 11 of them. Uh, but with Boston, Valdi provides a good insurance option for the rotation. Eduardo Rodriguez, Stephen Wright are both sidelined right now. Drew Pomeranz didn't look very good in his return from the disabled list this week. I uh, gave up four runs and four and two-thirds innings against the Orioles, so I think it's smart to pick up some depth here with Evaldi. And if things break right for Boston's rotation, or we're talking about the postseason, uh, perhaps I can think about putting Evaldi into the bullpen. His stuff's already good. It might play up even more there. It could be a huge weapon uh, come postseason time. But for now, he's a starter and in good position to rack up some wins with the highest-scoring team in the majors, so... You know, if he's out there in your league, I think he's he's worth a pickup. Maybe you mix and match him in certain uh, matchups against certain teams, but uh, I still like him a lot in mixed leagues. Jalen Beeks, uh, he's been hit pretty hard, and I think he's has two starts in the majors this year. But really good numbers in AAA. Doesn't necessarily have dominant velocity or anything like that, but he's also a bit undersized. He's listed five foot eleven, but uh, has really developed a good repertoire. Could be a back end starting pitcher. Uh, you know, he's someone who should surface in the Rays rotation very soon. I think they need that help right now. So uh, he's someone worth maybe stashing in a deeper league, kind of more wait and see for your standard mixed league, but someone to pay attention to anyway. And then this one was finalized just before we started recording here on Thursday evening. The Yankees acquired veteran starter Jay Happ from the Blue Jays for infielder Brandon Drury and outfield prospect Billy McKinney. Uh, Happ had been a target for the Yankees for several weeks, like going back to early June, um, but also drew interest from a number of other contenders, including the Brewers, Phillies, Cubs, and Mariners. But he'll head to a division rival and you know at least give the Yankees a decent innings eater for the stretch run, though he's pitched much better than a, a mere innings eater at times over the last three seasons. Maybe he can get it going again with a change of scenery, a, a move into a playoff race. He has a 6.03 ERA over his last six starts dating back to mid-June, but he did strike out nine batters over five innings of one-run ball in his last turn in a Blue Jays uniform on Sunday. But, you know, that was against the Orioles, who had just traded Manny Machado, so I don't know. Uh, I think maybe gets a boost in fantasy value because of the greater potential for wins with the Yankees. I don't know if the ERA is going to be very, very good, though. Um, Kind of like a... Uh, someone you're just holding on to and hoping he, he gets back to where he was earlier this year and then where he was in 2017 and 2016. And at least Drury is now, you know, freed to an extent. But um, the Blue Jays also have sort of a log jam in their middle infield. 
So, yeah. you know, Guriel, Devin Travis, Aledmus Diaz, Solarte. Um, and they have prospects. Donaldson's going to yeah, be back eventually, Prospects I guess. on their way. So, I mean, not necessarily a better situation for him, but obviously the Blue Jays like him. So we'll see what happens. If he ends up playing a bit, you know, he's going to be someone worth paying attention to in, in deeper mixed leagues again. So, you know, I keep an eye out for that. And then uh, just to run through some some other things that happened, the Cubs acquired reliever Jesse Chavez from the A's for pitching prospect Tyler Thomas. Uh, the Diamondbacks got Matt Andrees from the Rays for prospects Brian Schaefer and Michael Perez. The Astros got catcher Martin Maldonado from the S or for, from the Angels or the yeah from the Angels for pitching prospect Patrick Sandoval. That one just happened on Thursday afternoon. Uh, it sounds like Max Stassi is going to remain the the primary catcher in Houston, but Maldonado is a really good defensive catcher, and and so there's some value in that that that, that a smart team like the Astros can take advantage of in spots. Um, and then late last week, the Royals picked up outfielder Brian Goodwin from the Nationals for for a pitching prospect. No major fantasy fallout to any of these. I, I guess Goodwin could take on some value in deeper leagues. Yeah, I'm into in an that. Everyday, yeah, in, in an everyday role in Kansas City, but you know, also you can do just do a lot better than that mm-hmm. uh, with outfielders. But yeah, maybe, maybe he, I could see him getting hot finally in an everyday role. Yeah, um, and he should so, play a lot too. So yeah, you know, deeper mixed leagues worth a shot. He he had 13 homers and an 811 OPS for the Nationals last season. Also stole six bases in 74 games. So there's some counting stat ability there. Um, we're obviously going to have a lot more deals to talk about uh, this time next week once the trade deadline's passed, but we're going to get into some more headlines here in a second. Before we do that, if you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try our new favorite app. It's called Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play live snake drafts with other people, just like in your season-long league. Drafts are for just one night, and once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. You just set it and forget it. And the best part... Play for cold hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1, so there's really a draft for everyone. As a longtime fantasy player, I found this game to be the best of both worlds. Yes, you can utilize your typical instincts from a snake draft setup and put together a lineup of stars that you can feel good about, but there's plenty of room for strategy too, whether you want to stack hitters against a specific pitcher or tor- target a specific ballpark on a specific day. So there's room for multiple approaches, which is what makes constructing these lineups so fun and easy as well. Join us on Draft today. Just search Draft in your app store or play right from your computer on Draft.com. And for a limited time only, all Roto-World listeners will get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use our promo code RW. That's right, play a real money game for free just for using promo code RW when you make your first deposit. That's RW for Roto World. Search Draft in your app store to check it out for yourself. Okay, so we have a ton of big injury news this week, and I'll get us started here with Ioannis Cespedes. Uh, he's set for season-ending surgery on both of his heels. Will be two separate procedures, one two to three months after the other, but. The goal is to eliminate calcifications and bone spurs in his heels, and this is something that Cespedes has been dealing with for a long time, and the Mets think that the heel issue may have caused him to compensate potentially in his running style, so sort of a cascade effect with all the leg issues he's had in recent years, and the hope that this surgery will solve that, but the downside is that Cespedes is expected to miss 8 to 10 months, perhaps more, so his absence could stretch well into the first half next year, maybe who knows, all-star break even, and who knows what it'll be when he comes back either, and 
Um, that's a big deal for the Mets. Cespedes is owed $58.5 million over the next two seasons. Uh, and, you know, if you can't count on him to be there next year and to be the player that he was before, I think the Mets are faced with some really important decisions this offseason. Expected a search for a new general manager, and they're going to have a lot on their plate, uh, potentially deciding the futures of Jacob deGrom and Noah Syndergaard. You know, should they trade those guys? I think at this point, it's I think they should explore it. Um, so it might be rebuilding time there in Queens. Uh, also about Syndergaard, he's sidelined right now with hand, foot, and mouth disease, which is a very Mets thing to happen. Uh, usually a disease just associated with, you know, little kids in daycare. Um, daycare, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a constant fear of mine, actually. Um, but Syndergaard, apparently, he caught this at a youth camp that he was helping out at during the All-Star break, and uh, he left his start early, um, last Friday, and it was a little little odd to see him leave early, and it turned out that he was just really uncomfortable on the on the mound. He had these red bumps on his hands. He said he had trouble breathing. Uh, fortunately, it sounds like he could be back really, really soon, uh, potentially as soon as next week against the Nationals. So not a long-term thing, but just a, just a weird thing, just a Mets thing, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe this podcast is better when the teams we root for aren't, aren't any good. Though. I think that's really true, actually. Um, so I, I talked up Gary Sanchez during last week's podcast in which we discussed first half disappointments and we're looking ahead to players who should bounce back in the second half. You know, I was feeling pretty good about him finishing strong, but he landed back on the disabled list on Tuesday after re-aggravating the right groin strain that cost him the final three weeks of the first half. Yankees GM Brian Cashman said he'll probably be out until late August or early September. Um, so a big blow to that opportunity of, of finishing strong. Um, Sanchez you know, has 14 home runs and 42 RBIs in 66 games this season, but he's batting just 188 with a 283 on base percentage. Been a pretty big disappointment overall. Was supposed to be the clear number one option at catcher, uh, but currently ranks eighth in standard scoring leagues and obviously will, will continue to fall now. Austin Romine will serve as the Yankees' primary catcher for the next four-plus weeks, you know, unless the Yankees upgrade the position before the trade deadline, which is possible, but there just aren't a ton of great options out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not going to go after a JT Real Muto. Uh, I guess maybe Wilson Ramos, but there, I think there are better fits for Ramos out there. Nationals. Um, so, or, well, who yeah. knows if they're even going for it anymore. Yeah, Yeah, but even beyond that, I mean, there are contenders that mm-hmm. need catching help. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think, I mean, the Yankees will expect Sanchez to be there in September and, and to be their primary guy during the playoffs, I would think, unless unless there's something to that idea that he, like, doesn't hustle. But I, I'm just not going to buy into that storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they, they consider him a pretty important part of, of what they have going on up there. They should, um, yeah. Yeah. So, But, you know, assuming Romine does hold down this job through August, I think he's relevant in two-catcher leagues, maybe some deeper, like, 14-team, one-catcher leagues. Has a 789 OPS, six home runs, and 28 RBIs in 43 games this season. Um, you know, hitting towards the bottom of the lineup, but it's it's a good and deep lineup, so there could be some counting stats there, and he's shown some good power. Uh, so if you're desperate at catcher, I, I don't think he's a bad option. Another high-profile player headed back to the disabled list, Steven Strasburg with the Nationals. Of course, he missed about six weeks with uh, inflammation in his pitching shoulder before returning last Friday against the Braves. He gave up six runs in four and two-thirds innings in that start, and perhaps the most notable thing coming out of that start was 
the argument that he got in with Max Scherzer in the dugout, but it turns out a lot more came out of that. Uh, Strasburg was scheduled to take the mound Thursday against the Marlins, but the Nationals announced that he's headed to the disabled list again, this time due to a pinched nerve in his neck. Uh, we don't have a ton of details on the injury or the timetable just yet, but it'll be interesting to see if this could be related to the shoulder issue, just the neck to the shoulder. I mean, it's it's possible that there could be some connection there, but we'll have to just wait and see about the, the timetable for his return. Uh, either way, bad news for the Nationals, who are, I believe, seven games out in the NL East right now. Um, Tommy Malone is taking Strasburg's spot in the rotation on Thursday against the Marlins. Favorable matchup, but doesn't exactly bring a ton of confidence. And suddenly, man, like the Nationals look like they should be sellers. Um, Jeff Passan of Yahoo Sports had a report Thursday afternoon. The Nationals have started gauging interest in their players if they decide to sell. I think this weekend will be critical in that decision. But uh, relievers Kelvin Herrera, Sean Kelly, and Ryan Madsen are drawing the most interest, according to Passan. And, you know, those guys are all impending, impending free agents. But so is another guy who's not mentioned in that report, and that's Bryce Harper. Um, mm-hmm. You know, could the Nationals really trade him? I, I don't know. But, I mean, if they realistically don't think they can make it, I, I think they have to explore it, right? Yeah, I mean, does it hurt their chances of signing him in the offseason? I wouldn't think it does. I think it's just going to be all about money. Yeah, I mean, and also, I think you're sort of doing him a favor by putting him in a place that he could win. But then again, if he goes and wins somewhere else, he might be like, man, I kind of like it here. And, you know, that could be a factor, too. So I guess I could see both sides of it. But, you know, if if Harper walks and the Nationals just get the, you know, draft pick compensation, I mean, meanwhile, they could net sort of something similar to what Machado did. I mean, I think it's a a legitimate debate to have. I think it I think it would make a lot of sense if 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 they're three games under 500 after the weekend. Um, I've seen a lot I mean, of people the, saying the A's should make a run at him. Why not? It'd be sweet. It'd be awesome. Yeah. I know. I, that done. seems like Get a very, very, yeah, very non-A's move, but I, that would be great. Yeah. Um, I, and, he, and he probably wouldn't stay in Oakland. I don't think <laughs> shell out $400 million dollars for him. That's a good point. Um, so another, uh, major injury, Chris Bryant, um, you missed nearly three weeks between late June and mid July with inflammation in his left shoulder. And then the Cubs placed him back on the disabled list on Thursday morning with the very same issue. Obviously wasn't over it, isn't over it yet. And the Cubs want to get him right for the stretch run. There's no timetable yet. Uh, you know, he's not, he's not going to be activated until he's fully healthy this time around. I would imagine an MRI is scheduled, should have more clarity on what exactly is going on by, you know, Friday or sometime this weekend could be another two or three weeks, maybe even more. Um, it's been a you know relatively disappointing year for Brian OPS down over 90 points from where it was in 2017, 11 home runs, 44 RBIs in 76 games. Definitely not the level of fantasy production you want from a late first, high second round pick, uh, which is kind of where he was going in drafts this spring. David Bote was recalled from AAA Iowa on Thursday as, as the corresponding move for, move for when Bryant was placed on the disabled list. Bote has done some impressive things at the major league level this season, a really good batting line uh, in, in limited s- sample size. But he'll probably share time. Um, at third base with Ian Happ, who got the start there on Thursday afternoon, and, and also Tommy Listella. So I don't know if there's any fantasy upside really to this situation. 
Uh, we saw a setback for Mariners left-hander James Paxton this week as he tries to return from lower back inflammation. Uh, that landed him on the DL just prior to the All-Star break. Paxton was originally scheduled to return on Tuesday against the Giants, but it turned out his back stiffened up on him after throwing a bullpen session over the weekend. So Mariners wanted to play things safe here. Paxton is expected to test himself again this weekend with another bullpen session and, and see where he is at, the, at that time. But if all goes well, he could rejoin the rotation next week against the Astros. So uh, we'll see how see how, see how things go this weekend. Uh, Paxton owns a 3.70 ERA over 20 starts this season, 155 strikeouts and 119 in the third innings. Uh, the Mariners are clinging to a one and a half game lead over the Athletics for the second AL wild card spot right now. So they need Paxton back ASAP for sure. And, and Cubs closer Brandon Morrow was placed on the disabled list last Thursday with inflammation in his right biceps. Uh, still hasn't picked up a baseball one week later. Obviously won't be ready to come off the disabled list when first eligible this weekend. Definitely a concerning situation for a guy who's had all sorts of arm injuries throughout his career. Cubs manager Joe Madden said he'll play the matchups with save opportunities in Morrow's absence, but it's been Pedro Strope uh, getting those chances over the last seven days. For the most part, um, Carl Edwards Jr. and Steve Ciszek could also be in the mix. Maybe even newcomer Jesse Chavez. Uh, but I think I'd want to own Strope most uh, of those four names with Ed- Edwards probably a close second. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Any other that, random notes? Yeah, I, I should add this. Uh, it came out just before we started recording. Jesse Winker, who I is another person I said you know to look for in the second half, you know, re- really good podcast. Like, yeah, running out of dudes, man. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But uh, yeah, the Reds announced this afternoon that he he needs season-ending surgery on his right shoulder. Um, yeah, you know, looked to be in a good position to put up useful numbers down the stretch in Cincinnati, but just obviously that won't happen now. Finishes the year with a two ninety nine batting average, four oh five on base percentage, eight thirty six OPS in eighty nine games. Uh, hopefully he's good for the start of the 2019 season. We we don't really know what exactly he's having repaired. If it's major shoulder surgery, he might not be ready for for the start of the, of next season. But pretty well-rounded talent, a big part of the future for the Reds. A guy who hasn't posted a ton of counting stats, like home runs and stolen bases, but he's he's good in both of those areas. And I think eventually he will be a, a pretty useful fantasy outfielder. I think the third guy you mentioned last week was John Gray. Uh, he had another good start the other day, but, uh, I guess he needs to cover himself in, in bubble wrap right (laughs) now. Um, let's move along. Uh, some, (laughs) some, some other items, uh, the line of shields, you know, opened the 2018 season as the Rangers everyday center fielder, leadoff man had a lot of fantasy potential in that role after putting up a 714 OPS and 29 steals over 129 games last year. But he was dropped to the ninth spot in the order by the beginning of June. And on Tuesday, the Rangers demoted him to AAA Round Rock. Um, the Shields you know, does have 18 stolen bases and 21 attempts this year. He's played good defense, but he's batting just 204 with a 570 OPS and 322 plate appearances. Been one of the least um, effective performers in the majors, offensively at least. Um, so I, uh, the Rangers, I think this is about kind of jump-starting his career and, and just hoping he gets right on the farm and 
maybe finishes strong with a, a good final four or five weeks in the majors and, you know, has some momentum carrying into the 2019 season. Carlos Tochi uh, will start in center field for Texas while the Shields works on his game at AAA. Tochi's not a fantasy-relevant player, batting just 152 with a 430 OPS through his first 33 major league games. Never showed much of an offensive uh, skill set in the minors, so uh, n- nothing really here to react to. I'm a little surprised the Rangers did that move, but you know they're not playing for anything this year, and and you know just they're just trying to gear up for next year. Willie Calhoun is up in the majors, which is cool. Yep. Uh, hit a homer the other day. Hasn't shown much power in the minors this year, which is a little concerning, but uh, he's basically hitting like 350 in July, so they really had to just call him up. I don't know how you know how much he's going to play, um, especially if uh, Shinsu Chu doesn't get traded by the deadline. Um, he might get squeezed out of playing time there, but you know I'm still interested in Calhoun anyway in, in mixed leagues. Um, just a random thing here. I put uh, we mentioned Eloy Jimenez earlier, White Sox outfield prospect. I put him in waiver wire on Thursday, and honestly, I have no idea if he's getting called up this year, but. I think he deserves it on merit. These numbers in AAA are, are really something else. He's hitting 351 with five homers in 20 games since his promotion last month. And maybe most impressive of all, he's only struck out seven times in 80 plate appearances. So that's really nice to see, or at least refreshing, given the way that the game's being played right now. Uh, Jimenez is batting 326 with 15 homers and a 950 OPS in 73 games this year between AA and AAA. I don't know how much more he has to prove in the minors, honestly. Um, you know, the White Sox, of course, have the service time considerations to, to keep in mind. Maybe they even wait until a couple of weeks in the next season, but I don't think they can ignore his performance in the minors for much longer, or at least try to justify it. So I think if you're in a deeper mixed league and he's still out there, and I think Jimenez is still available in over 80% of Yahoo leagues, and he's a pretty good upside stash for the for the stretch run, just because... We were saying earlier, like, outfielders are kind of so replaceable that the guy that you're dropping probably to pick up Jimenez is someone you could easily get later on or someone comparable in value. So uh, someone with as much upside as Jimenez I think is worth stashing away, just on the chance he's called up. And then some positive Cardinals news, of of which there isn't a whole lot right now. Um, Daniel Ponce de Leon threw seven no-hit innings in his Major League debut on Monday night against the Reds before getting lifted with a pitch count of 116. The Cardinals actually wound up losing that game. Uh, Jordan Hicks allowed the Reds' first hit in the eighth, and then Bud Norris blew the save in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, but you know about Ponce de Leon, it's a, a really nice comeback story. He got hit in the head by a comebacker last May at, at AAA Memphis, needed emergency surgery to remove pressure on his brain, spent weeks in the hospital, um, but apparently looked really good this spring in Cardinals camp and has posted a 2.15 ERA and 103 strikeouts in 92 innings this season at the AAA level. Actually got optioned back to AAA after Monday's brilliant debut, but uh, we'll see him again soon, especially if the Cardinals sell some parts at the deadline. There's talk of Carlos Martinez, maybe Miles Michaelis. Um, so Ponce de Leon, a guy to keep in mind, could be worth rostering in mixed leagues down the stretch or, or at least streaming if he gets another spot start or something. And then the night after Ponce de Leon went seven no-hit innings, Cardinals left-hander Austin Gomber carried a no-hitter into the bottom of the seventh before 
allowing a one-out single to Joey Votto. It, it was the first career major league start for Gomber, but he had made 15 appearances out of the Cardinals' bullpen earlier this year. Overall, the rookie has a 3.48 ERA, 1.11 whip, and 16 strikeouts over his first 20 and two-thirds major league innings. He's posted really good numbers all, all throughout the minors. Looks like his next start will come Monday at home against the Rockies. There's, there's talk of Carlos Martinez returning from the disabled list for that one. He's dealing with a, a minor oblique strain. At this point, if I'm the Cardinals, I would just make sure Martinez is healthy. This is his second time dealing with an oblique strain. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I think either way, there, there's a decent chance we see a lot more Gomber starts down the stretch. Currently owned in just 1% of Yahoo leagues. Um, has really good stuff. So uh, we, we do starting pitcher streamers to finish out this podcast. Uh, and I was busy writing up a bunch of trades this afternoon. So Gomber is mine. Okay, I had one question about the Cardinals. I saw Dakota Hudson was pulled from a start early on Wednesday night. Um, is there any significance to that in the minors? And he was like getting hugs in the dugout from like teammates and stuff. Is there anything to that? I, I didn't see a follow-up uh, to what was going on there. I, I'm, I'm guessing he's getting called up, uh, okay. but I don't know. I, I think he'll probably pitch out of the bullpen initially because the Cardinals just have so many options. John Gant is one too. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard any follow-up from that. But someone, I guess, to keep an eye on, maybe in a deeper league. Yeah, Dakota Hudson's uh, one of one of their best pitching prospects. Yeah. I mean, I, I would even put him up there with like Alex Reyes at this point with with what Reyes has dealt with. Mm-hmm. Uh, last note for me: the Mets finally called up Jeff McNeil this week. I, I think I mentioned him a couple of weeks back. He's just been tearing things up in the minors all year. He was hitting three forty two with nineteen homers, OPS north of a thousand in eighty eight games between Double A AA and Triple A. The thing about him is that he had just nine homers over his first 338 professional games, so this was really unexpected. Uh, McNeil's 26 years old, so he's not your average prospect. He's also missed a lot of time with injury uh, in recent seasons, so he's changed his swing a little bit. He's put on a little more weight and muscle since the early part of his pro career, so he's sort of a tough player to get a read on at this point. Still, I think that's one advantage to where the Mets are right now and that they can give him a shot and see what they have with him. And I think there will be some opportunities here as Drupal Cabrera is likely to be traded. Wilmer Flores could potentially be moved. Jose Reyes is still somehow on the roster, but he really shouldn't be blocking anyone, especially someone like McNeil, who they're trying to, to figure out what they have. So uh, I'm really interested to watch him. Uh, and I think if you're in a deeper mix league, uh, you know, he could make a lot of sense as a pickup, assuming the playing times there. Uh, I, I'm just really interested to see if the power's for real. Uh, has a good approach at the plate, too, can hit for average. So, you know, we'll see what happens with him. Uh, with the Mets selling off pieces, I think he's going to play quite a bit. Um, so streaming option for me, speaking of the Mets, I have Joe Musgrove uh, with the Pirates. He's going up against the Mets on Sunday. Of course, the Pirates have been awesome recently. Uh, and this should be pretty self-explanatory. The Mets' offense is bad. Could get even worse if they end up trading Cabrera. Brandon Nimmo has been really struggling recently. Uh, Musgrove looked really good Tuesday against the Indians. He's thrown at least seven innings in three out of his last four starts. I think he stands a good chance to do it again in this one. And he's still out there in, I believe, 75% of Yahoo leagues or something like that. That's way too many. So I think he's worth scooping up, not only as a as a streaming option, but for someone to keep on your roster basically down the stretch. Yeah. Um, yeah, Austin Gomber is my streamer, <laughs> just because I didn't have time to come up with one. All good. Um, I, 
I do want to note that uh, the Angels are are shopping Blake Parker. It sounds like, and I, and I would imagine they're going to deal him. They already dealt Martin Maldonado, so they're they're moving right into sell mode. And and I think Justin Anderson is is a pretty good stash. He's been really good lately. Um, got a little chance out of the Angels closer role earlier this year, and I think he's probably their closer of the future. So. I think he's a pretty good stash in deeper mixed leagues with with the with the, a good chance that Blake Parker gets dealt at some point over the next few days. There were a couple of reports this afternoon about the Cubs and Cole Hamels. Um, we'll yeah. see if that comes together. I think you know Hamels has really gone downhill over the past month or so. Um, but I mean, I guess he would be an improvement over Tyler Chatwood. I think anybody would be. <laughs> so I, I I think now Chatwood has more walks than strikeouts this season. So yep. Uh, you know, we're keeping track of that here. Uh, <laughs> uh, anything else before we go? No, that's it. All right. So that will do it for this week. If you like what you're hearing with this show, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, etc. And please rate and review if you get the chance. We'd really appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Silv. And we'll see you next time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.